to Radio Free Brooklyn. Good morning. Good morning, people. Happy Sunday. Happy Daylight Savings Time. And I know everybody's like, why is she so excited about Daylight Savings Time? I'm going to tell you. To be totally honest, I used to loathe this day of the year. But before we get into that, let me do my uh, housekeeping. I'm jumping ahead of the gun. Radio Free Brooklyn is having their Drive to Five fundraiser. You know it's still underway. We're trying to raise $25,000 so we could keep bringing you the great shows like What Would Kay Say and all those other shows that come on on the radio and all the great music. We still have a long way to go. Send those dollars in. You can text to F-R-B-G-I-V-E-5 
text that to 44321 and make your pledge. Or you could just tell us happy birthday at 718-673-8201. I also have a nice public service announcement that's from Sisters of Sisters with Purpose. Sisters with Purpose seeks to empower women and their families by providing resources that will help them develop necessary skills to become engaged community participants. On May 28th, they will be hosting their annual Women's History Luncheon to honor the amazing women in their community. For more information, check out sisterswithpurpose.net. So, all the housekeeping is out the way. Now I could go back to telling you why. I never liked Daylight Savings Time because I always felt it was robbing me of my time. No one, as it is, we never seem to feel we have enough time in a day. And if you want to talk to me today while I'm on the air, my number is 718-928-9732. We never seem to have enough time during the day. So with this Daylight Saving Time and you got to Spring forward, that used to be like the worst for me. I was always, I always just felt like I was being robbed. But for some reason, and now that I think back on it, I think I used to feel that way because I used to have so many things going on in my life at that time that it seemed like every little precious moment that you were trying to take from me, I felt like it was somebody else just trying to suck something out of me. But now, since I basically write my own time and what I do and how I do it, I'm kind of embracing daylight savings time. I mean, I actually woke up before the alarm because it's like your body, once you're used to getting up at a certain time, but for, for whatever reason, I don't know why my body thought that it was an hour earlier. Well, who knows? I'm always waking up during the night anyway, so... For all I know, my body could have thought it was just a four o'clock time that it normally wakes up, but it was five o'clock. I don't know. Either way, praise be to God. It's another beautiful day that he's created and we will be, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so moving on to current events, it seems like current events takes up a lot of the show now. I haven't been able to really... Um talk about other things other than stuff that's going on in current events because that's really kept us busy these last couple of weeks. Back to what we discussed last week when I just briefly touched upon telling you guys about the coronavirus. Now it's given us no longer coronavirus. It's COVID-19. So if you want to be in the know, don't say coronavirus. Say COVID-19 because that's what everyone's calling it now. It has its own special name. And now that it's really hit New York City, because last night I heard the governor, well, New York State as well, the governor declared the state of emergency. I guess that when he does that, it helps us get federal aid for anything that we might have to put out extra money for, like, say, hospitals and nurses and staff to, you know, help the people that's going through that might contract this virus. But the fact of hearing him say that, it was almost like, 
Oh, my goodness. We were just talking about this last week, and we were just brief. I was just briefly telling you guys, you know, whatever we do for cold and flu season, let's just be diligent and continue to do that, meaning the washing of your hands for 20 to 30 seconds, you know, using the antiviral, the anti, um, antibacterial on your hands, just, you know, cleaning around the house. When you come in, make sure that, you know, you, you clean off everything. If you sneeze... And now a thing that I have, people are always like, oh, well, if you sneeze, if you sneeze, sneeze in your arm, sneeze in your arm. They're telling people now, don't even sneeze in your clothing because the germs stay in your clothing. I was always against the whole sneezing and coughing in your clothing anyway. My whole thing is take a tissue, cover your mouth, throw the tissue away. So that way you're getting rid of everything. Sneezing in your clothing, it, it, the germs are still lingering. And they're saying that. And I watched this special. I don't know how many of you caught it. On 2020, on Friday, they had a two-hour special about this COVID-19. They had doctors up there. They had experts. They had um, they had video from people in Italy. They had video from people in China. They were video from everybody all over the world talking about this COVID-19. But what they were really saying at the end of the show is that nobody really still has a handle on this. Long story short, nobody has a handle they're still trying to find a vaccine. They're still trying to understand how, well, they know that it's spread through droplets because we know it's like like the cold or flu. Anything that the droplets contaminate, if you then go behind and touch or walk through an area where somebody has coughed or sneezed, you can pick it up. Um, they spoke to some people that were on the cruise ship about how they had gotten it when they were being quarantined. And because they stayed in that confined area, they were thinking that it was being spread, you know, from crew members to passengers. And it's just a lot. But what we just have to keep in mind is the personal hygiene. Make sure your hands are always washed. When you touch things, try to avoid putting your hands in your face where, you know, your eyes, your nose, your mouth. Just those simple things. Just really have to pay attention to everything you're doing now with your hands, where you're walking, you know, what you're touching. Because we know there was germs on everything anyway, whether it was COVID-19 or just whatever. There's germs everywhere out in the street. So just go with everything like you normally would with just if you become a germaphobe, just make sure that everything's clean and anything you touch, you know, just make sure it's washed. So that's all I have to say about Corona. I pray that everybody's covered, that you're protecting yourself and your family. And but one thing I will, one more thing I do want to say about it, that when I was listening to the whole show, which made sense to me when they said it, because I was like, that makes total sense. They said that with the way this virus is spreading and because they can't, you know, just trap it and stop it, at least not yet that everyone is going to get some form of this virus. It might not come on you like totally break you down because as usual, the elderly and the very young or those with compromised immune systems, they're going to have a harder time with, they have a harder time with just colds and flu. So you know this virus is really going to give them a hard time. So those the people that fall into those categories, of course, they're going to have a difficult time. And we want them to be covered with the blood of Jesus, that nothing happens to, you know, 
that they're just able to survive it or if they do get it, you know, that it doesn't really take them. But the normal people who are walking around who have relatively healthy, you know, bodies that in their immune systems are okay, they're saying that we're all going to be able to have some form of this. It may not come on us as harsh as it would the other category of people I just mentioned, but there is a great possibility that everyone's going to be touched by this virus. You might get something that feels like the flu for you, and it might just be that. So like I said before, they're telling people, don't go to the emergency room, call your doctor, call your, uh, uh, like if you have like a hospital or a health hotline or something, they're saying call that, tell them what how you're feeling, what your symptoms are, and then they can tell you what to do next. Because they're saying some people are coming to the emergency rooms, and you have to remember, there are other things going on in the world besides this. So the emergency room is still going to be the emergency room. You're still going to have people in there that are having asthma attacks. You're still going to have people in there that are having a stroke, that are having a heart attack, that might have a gunshot wound, that might have been stabbed, that might have fell off a ladder and broke their leg or broke their arm or cut themselves making dinner. Those things are still happening. So those people are still going to be in the emergency room. You don't want to take, if you have the virus, into an emergency room and infect those people who are just suffering from everyday life tragedies. So they're saying, make sure you call your doctor, make sure you call your um, health clinic or whatever, and they will tell you what to do and where to go if it sounds like you need to be hospitalized. So that's all I got from 2020. I hope that helps some of you who might not have seen it or some of you who might have seen it. If I miss something, you can call in and tell me, 718-928-9732. But I think for the most part, what they were just really saying was just, you know, just be careful with everything that you touch, what you ingest, make sure your hands are clean, things like that. Now, the next thing in current events that has my spirit quite disturbed. And I have a, I guess I'm still trying to figure out how we got to this place. I saw in the news a young girl was brutally attacked by a group of boys. I think she might have been 15. But if you see the video, the video is very disturbing. There's like 20 to 30 teenage boys kicking, punching, and stomping this girl on a Brooklyn street. Till they knocked her unconscious and then they robbed her of her, get this, cell phone, her sneakers. And you can see the boys, they all, one boy knocks her down and starts beating her up. And from nowhere, all these boys just come running and they're all just kicking. It's like a whole mob is just on top of this one girl and she's on the ground. And then you see them as they're running away. One boy is like carrying sneakers and he's running and he's laughing and the other ones are all le- like it's a joke. And I'm like, when did that become just horsing around? When did that become part of horsing around and just being teenagers and just, you know, teenagers have so much energy and they, when did that become part of that? 
And my question is, who are their parents? Where are their parents? Like, do these boys come from households? Like, do they talk to them and tell them how to behave in the street? I mean, when you're raising your child, do you tell him what he should and should not be doing when he goes out in the street and how to act? I, I'm, I'm just, I'm lost. I, I, I don't get it. And then I, always, when I make statements like that, I'll always get someone saying, "Oh well, you know, a lot of boys come from single fam, single parent households, and the mother can't do everything." When I hear that, it's like my head does a turn around, like The Exorcist. Because, yes, I understand. There are a lot of single parent households, but A, you decided to have this child. It's not like somebody came to your house to stalk, said, look, okay, you got to raise this kid. Be happy. Once you make a conscious decision that I'm, I'm going to keep this baby, there's more that comes to it than just keeping this baby. It now becomes your responsibility to raise as a decent human being. And I think that's where it falls short. You can't be turning up and you got a baby. Your turn up days are done. Unless you have someone who can watch that child while you go out. I'm not saying that your life should end, but technically when you have a child, your life as you know it and the way that you might have wanted to live it, it ends. Whether you want to admit it or not, it does. Because for you to totally commit yourself to raising that child to the way that they should be raised, you can't do whatever it is that you want to do now. You can't now still think it's all about you and it's not about that child. So you have to split yourself giving 95% of yourself to raising that child properly and 5% to just taking care of yourself so that you can better raise that child properly because you're an adult. You're an adult now and whatever it is you should have done, could have done, would have done. If you can't do it while you're raising the child, then it that goes on hold. That goes on hold for at least 18 to 20 years. Yes, I said 18 to 20 years because a lot of people feel when their kids hit teenage years, 14, 15, oh, you better get out there and get yourself a job. You want this. You want that. You better be able to pay for Uh-uh. That's your child. Now, if you want to teach them the ways of how to get acclimated into the workforce, like we talked last week about the minimum wage jobs, if you want them to have a little side job in the summer, to get them used to making their own money, to teach them the responsibility of money and how to handle money, that's a different story. But if you're telling them they got to get out there to make money because they're of a certain age and you ain't, you're not going to be, uh, no, you're going to be or you should be until they're 18 to 20. You got to get them through high school. They have to graduate. How do you just, you're on your own. And see, when I start talking like this, the adrenaline in my body starts boiling. And the reason why I say that is because any excuse.
excuse you want to kind of give me. And I always hear it from other people. I hear it all the time when we get into these conversations. They always become very heated because I have a certain view of how I feel about when it comes to single parents. And the reason why I have that view is because I was a single parent by my own choice. Like I said, when you do these things, you make a choice. So now if that's the choice you make, that's the choice you live with. But my situation, I was engaged to be married. I broke the marriage off and said, no, that's not what I want to do right now. I think this is the way I should go. I'm not going to go into the details of what happened or why I made that decision, but that was my decision, and that's the one I stuck with. Yes, his father was in his life. Yes, he was still a part of his life. We just weren't together as a couple with him being a part of his life. But I'm just saying, what if his father wasn't totally, totally a part of his life? Whereas a lot of, you'll hear a lot of single parents say, oh, well, their father is not here, and I shouldn't have to raise this child by myself, and you chose to have this baby. And I'm not saying you should have had an abortion. I'm not saying that at all. Not at all. All that is not even coming into the picture. I'm not even putting that out there. What I'm saying is when I say you chose to have this child, you consciously chose to have this child because you didn't take the precautions to not have the child. And if you did take the precautions to not have the child and just happen to get, oops, I'm caught out there, then oops, this is what you got to do. This is what you have to do. You have to raise that child properly. So when I see these young teenage boys, 14 and 15, and some of them look like they were 16, and they're stomping on this girl, they're stomping her in her head where she's knocked unconscious. I'm like, what, what is going on here? Let me have had my, let my son have even thought about doing some dumb like that. See, he would have had to answer to me. Whereas a lot of these kids, that they don't have to answer to their parents because they're not even paying attention to them. I can't imagine that these boys came from households where their parents can tell them what to do and those kids listen. I have a hard time imagining that because I can't see a kid who's raised that listens to their parent, even if it is a single household, that listens and respects that parent and then goes out in the street and does something like this. I, I Unless they're schizophrenic. I cannot see that happening. So my question is, to all you mothers out there, how are you raising these boys? What are you teaching them? And no, it doesn't have to be, oh, well, there was no man in the house to show him. So the woman in the house showed him that it was okay to to stomp on a girl? You don't need a man in the house to tell them how to respect another woman. And if anything, it should be easier for you to tell him how to respect another woman because you're a woman. Who better to tell him how to respect a woman but his mother? So I'm having a really hard time. And when I saw that video and when I heard them talking about and then now they have all the. Of course, like I said, you go to your councilman because I said those are the ones who can affect change in your community at the moment. They had the councilman on the TV they had the, the community activists. They're all, you know, everyone's, everyone's up in arms about what's happening because no one can believe that this actually took place in broad daylight. And one of the, one of the people that was um, being interviewed by the, the news um, reporter, 
She was saying she was screaming at the boys to stop. But she's an older woman. She looked like she was maybe in her 60s. She can't intervene with all those boys jumping on that girl like that. She said she was screaming at them, stop it. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? They paid her absolutely no mind. She might as well have been speaking another language. Because in the video, you can see, and they're all running over, and it's like they're happy. You would have thought that they were giving out basketball sneakers. The way they ran over there laughing, and oh my gosh, it's like payday. You should see their faces. And I'm like, what was actually going through their mind when they were engaging in this act that made them so happy that they were able to stomp on this girl? But now I wonder how they would feel if they got stomped. If somebody just took them and stomped them. And you see, we see it. We see it. Like, here was another thing in the news. Police had a guy up against a fence. You see the guy talking to the the cop. The cop is holding him against the fence because the guy is trying to get away. The guy was not just standing there having a conversation. Even though everybody wants to say, his hands were up. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't resisting. He wasn't standing still. And to a cop, if you're not standing still and they tell you to stand still, you're automatically violating what they told you to do. That's just the way they see it. I don't know why people don't understand that by now. But I guess eventually we will. Long story short, they he called for backup because it was an undercover cop. He was in plain clothes, not undercover, plain clothes. He called for backup. When the other cops came, you see them running to this guy. And here it is. Here it is. The same scenario, but flipped. They're running to this guy that's against the fence that the one plainclothes cop is there holding. And they pounce on him and they put him to the ground and you can see him flailing and trying to get away. And he's like, what did I do? What did I do? And they're holding him down and more cops come running and they're on top of him and they're trying to subdue him from to arrest him. Right. So when I saw that and then, of course, you see the press conference after that. Oh, why did they do that to my son? My son didn't deserve to be treated like that. That was excessive force. You know, it's police brutality. What's going on? Do we have to stand for this time and time again for them to do this to our young boys? I don't know how how, the guy didn't look that young. He looked like he was in his 20s, like maybe 25 or something, but whatever. So then I'm sitting there and it's like I have two pictures. I have one picture of the teenage boys stomping this girl to her being unconscious and how they thought it was so funny. And it was like it was like a party for them. Then I have the other picture of the police subduing this other guy, probably with excessive force because they did throw him down to the ground and they were a bunch of cops on top of him. But then I see the two pictures and I'm like, and that's saying that the boy, not saying that the young man that the cops held deserved that treatment. By no means did he deserve that treatment. I don't care what it is that he did. No one deserves to be slammed down to the ground and a ton of cops on top of him to put handcuffs on someone. That is a bit much. 
Because the guy did have, he didn't have a gun. He was standing there, maybe moving, fidget, fidgeting. Because, of course, he probably was nervous because he was probably like, what's going on? But you have that. And here it was this, this young man might not have been doing anything. I don't know what his entire story is. I don't know what they're saying that the cops are saying that he and another guy were in the park after dark smoking weed. When they came along, the, they ran. The, when the cops came along, the boys ran. The guys ran. Well, of course, if they're smoking weed in the park and they know they're not supposed to be in, number one, they're not supposed to be in the park after dark. Number two, they're not supposed to be smoking weed out in the open. Because from what I understand, I don't know if it's totally legal here in New York. I know they have the smoke shops, but I still think you have to have a doctor's prescription to obtain it. And you're supposed to be smoking it in your house. I don't think you're supposed to smoke it in the street. But whatever it is, they felt they had to run. So when they finally, they got, they caught one. I don't know if they caught the other one, but this is what happened to the one. Now, he probably didn't deserve all that that the cops did to him. But then when I look on the flip side and I'm looking at these boys and what they did to this girl, these same boys, if no one reprimands them, or it might even be a little too late, but I won't even say that because there might be some of them in that group that we can still reach. But if their minds are not changed from what they did to that young girl, they could just as easily be the guy up against the fence with the cops. So you see how you see how the scenarios play out? If you don't raise your child properly, to know what's right and wrong and do what's right and wrong in the street. But then later on when they become adults and they still feel that it's okay for them to, ha- to act in any way that they feel they want to. Yeah, it's going to be the cops that's going to show them how they should respond and how they should be conducting themselves in public. But when the cops show them, we are screaming, oh, look what they're doing. But see, you as the parent, you could do it before the cops get to them. And that's where it should be starting. If you need to jump on him when he's in the house, then by all means. Because you know what? You might just be saving his life. He might not like it. He might not even appreciate the fact of what you're telling him. But you could just very well be saving his life. Because the woman who saw her son that was thrown to the ground by the cops, the first thing she said was, my son could have died. They could have killed my son. And you know what? She's correct. They could have very well have killed him. The way they were all on top of him, the way he was on the ground like that, who knows? Somebody could have said he tried to do this. Bullets could have been let out. Someone could have got shot. Someone In those situations, anything can happen. We've seen it happen. We've heard the stories. But, and I'm not saying that the young man that the cops were on top of, like I said, I don't know his background. I'm not saying that he was a teenager that was acting as crazy as the ones that beat up this young girl. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just showing you. I'm just showing you the two. Look what happens when. Look what happens when. You know? So if you don't check your child, trust me, the cops will. And they don't have a problem checking them. They don't have a problem checking anybody. But you don't want them to have to check your child. 
So if you're raising a young boy in Brooklyn, New York, the Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, wherever, Long Island, wherever, you might be in Philadelphia listening to me. You might be in California listening to me. If you're a parent and you're raising a young boy, yes, I understand they have a lot of energy. Young boys do have a lot of energy. But you channel that energy and make them do productive things with it. Not go out and beat up a girl in the street and think it's cute. Or not roam the street with your friends and there's like a whole posse of 15 of you. What do you think people are going to think when they see 15 teenage boys just roaming the street, making noise, acting a fool? They're not going to think anything positive about it. So if you can check your child before the police have to check them, that could be the best thing that you could do for them in their life. Because trust me, the police will check them. But you might not like the way they do it. And at that point, you really don't have a leg to stand on to talk about why are you doing that to my son if you're letting him run wild in the street right now. You're not saying why you do. You're not saying to him why are you acting a fool. But yet when the cops want to check him, oh, why are you doing that to my son? Enough of that, because when I think when I speak about that subject, it really gets me. I, I really get like, what is going on? Because these kids, when you have kids, you're not giving birth to a 15-year-old. That's what I don't understand. I don't understand when parents say, oh, I can't tell them anything. They don't want to listen to anything I'm saying. Who Did you give birth to a teenager? When did that come about? The last I heard, when you give birth, it's a baby. Can't speak. Can't move on its own. Can't do anything unless you do something for it. That little creature could be molded into whatever you want it to be molded into. It may take a little work, but you can do it. So if you're letting them grow up like a weed, then yeah. What happens when weeds take over your yard? They just grow. They just grow wherever they want to go. You can't control them. You try to get weed killer to try to take them. They just sprout back up and do whatever they want to do. You can't start with the weeds as soon as you see them. You got to get weeds if you have a garden before you even see them because you know they're going to come. Same thing with a child. You have to teach it while it's young. The little things that you think is cute when they're two and three and they're slapping you or throwing stuff at you, or telling you no, or standing there giving you word for word, and you, <laughs> look at Johnny. <laughs> He's so expressive. Mm-hmm. And Johnny going to be just that expressive at 13 and 14 when you're telling him not to do something. And he's like, who do you think you're talking to? You think Johnny didn't remember that when he was three you didn't say nothing? Come on, people. This is not nothing new. But I'm going to get off that subject because, like I said, when I talk about it, it gets me very annoyed because that to me, that's just being lazy. Raise your child. If you have a child, raise it right. I'm sure if you had a little dog, I'm sure you put more time. Some people put more time into their pets than they put into their darn kids. Come on now. Enough. Let me move on from that because I see myself getting very and I don't want to get there. So other things in the news. Oh, it's another thing that got me annoyed. This week, I'm going to tell you. 
<laughs> this week for news, I think I should just go and not turn on the TV and watch any news at all. But I can't do that. I have to know. You always have to be aware of what's happening. Even if you don't want to really know, you need to know. Some things you just need to know. You can't walk around in in like as if your head is in a cloud because you do still live here in the world. So there's a lot of things that just took place in the news today. I mean, last week that I was like, are you serious? Is this really happening? Here's the next thing that got to me. They just passed. They just passed a law to make lynching a federal hate crime. Now, when I heard that, I said, what? wait a minute. They just passed the law to make lynching a federal hate crime? So you mean to tell me that all this time lynching was a justifiable act? That it was okay to really think that you could lynch somebody? I was like, wait, how could that be? So they just now made it where if someone is to be lynched, it's going to be considered a federal hate crime. Whereas before when people were lynched, it wasn't considered a hate crime. It was just something that happened. And when I heard that, it was like it reminded me of the show that I did about the Halloween decorations. And for those of you who don't listen to my show regularly, you can get my shows on on Archive. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Music. I think it's iTunes. And I'm also, if you go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, the station with your, the internet that you're listening to right now, if you go to my show page, you could have you can go back and listen to all my past archive shows. So you can listen to the one about the Halloween decorations. And when I heard this about the law being passed, it made me think of, okay, so where I was all up in arms again because I couldn't believe this woman put up these Halloween, these Halloween decorations. But now seeing that this law was just passed, now I understand why she thought it was okay to put up the decorations that she did. Because to her, what is the, what is it to look like, you know, hang up a decoration of somebody being lynched? I mean, like, that's what are you talking about? Like, why can't I? So that was one thing that I was like, I couldn't believe it, that they actually they actually thought it was, you know, now today, 2020, we have to consider it a, a federal hate crime to lynch people, which the only people that was really being lynched, we know who's being lynched. But. Well, I thank you for saving my neck. I appreciate it. You know, makes me feel a little more comfortable. What else happened in the news this week? Um, we have, we talked about the COVID. We talked about the young boys and parents, how they need to check their children we talked about the lynching thing. Oh, and now with the discrimination with against Asian people with this COVID. Asian people that are here in America don't have COVID people. I mean, they're here. Yes, China is in Asia, but they're here. But I understand how people would feel a little apprehensive. But you can't just go around thinking that everybody that is of, you know, 
Asian has the disease. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when AIDS first came out and they were saying that it was a, air quotes, gay disease. And everybody that was gay, everyone was looking at them like they had AIDS. I mean, stop. So they have this now. They've been saying how, you know, people have have stopped going out to restaurants. But it's not just Asian restaurants. To me, it's not just Asian restaurants that people will stop that, you know, they're not going out to. Me personally, if this is going to become something where they're saying everyone is going to get it, I would be a little leery about going out to any restaurant. Because if anyone has it, and we know there's been instances where you go out to restaurants and you eat and you pick up something because somebody in the back had something and now they're talking about, oh, everybody that ate at this restaurant, go get tested for hepatitis C because one of the cooks or something had hepatitis. Come on. We've we've heard that happen. So it's going to be likely Once this thing really gets ramped up, and which I feel it's going to ramp up to the worst before it gets better, because unless they come out with a vaccine for it today, then everybody's going to be, you know, everybody's going to be, oh, what word am I trying to say? Everyone's going to be almost able to get it. Okay. So. You can't just look at Asian restaurants as, oh, well, I'm not going to go there because they got, you know, they have the virus in there. Any restaurant could have the virus because you don't know who has the virus, who's then taking it into work. There have been a number of places that have shut down and making their people work from home because one person has the virus. I heard, I think, Gap or one of them. They close their office and the people are working from home. So it's not just, oh, stay away from Asian restaurants. No, it's going to be you're going to have to stay away from a lot of places because everyone's going to be eventually walking around with this virus, if not having it, but being a carrier of it. Some of us may be carrying it now and we don't even know. We don't know. We're not going to know until we start showing symptoms of it. So the whole thing with the, you know, discriminating against Asians and blaming. (laughs) There was this one on the news again. I said, I have to stay out of the news. They had this guy that was spraying Lysol on this guy that was Asian on the train. Come on. And I don't even think the guy coughed or anything. I think it was just the fact that because he was Asian, he was spraying him with Lysol. But if the guy didn't cough or sneeze, what are you spraying him for? Come on, enough already. See, people take things to the extreme where it becomes like, okay, enough. I understand people want to take precautions and stuff, but you don't do that to someone. You're going to spray them with Lysol just because they're Asian? Stop. Enough already. People just, I don't, I don't understand where people are. But what came into my spirit was, with all this happenings, was Second Chronicles 7, 13 to 14. Because remember, I always say, rather than always talk about the problems, talk about the problems, talk about the problems, I want to start giving, sol- this is what we're here for. We're supposed to be giving solutions to these problems that we know face us every day. We can't avoid them. We're going to have problems. It's life. Second Chronicles 7, 13 to 14, God says, 
when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So I'm like, when I thought of everything that's happening and that scripture came to me, that's where we are right now. If you really, really want to think about it, he's been telling us this forever. God has been telling us, turn from your wicked ways, America. Turn from your wicked ways, African-Americans. Turn from your wicked ways, Asians. Turn from your wicked ways, brown people. Everybody, turn from your wicked ways and do what it is I tell you to do. That's what he's been saying forever. None of us are listening. We're getting worse. Instead of getting better, we're getting worse. But that's the only thing that's going to help us in anything that we want to do. And I was like, when that came to me and I was like, okay, I I can give them that verse and everything. But then I started thinking, of course, here I go into myself being human. God, why do I always have to give them? Why can't we just talk about the five-year plan and you know, making their life more abundant and living more, you know, prosperous and making, the, you know, things happy to get them out of, you know, whatever they're in right now. And you know what he told me? He said to me, how can you teach them to live a life more productive if they don't have me in their life? Now, not that I haven't been talking about getting together with God. You know, every time we've always talked about it, I always talk to you about how he's number one in my life and how you need to get to know him. But he said, that's where the problem began. They thought that they could live and exclude me from their lives. I'm the way maker. I'm the light unto their path. I am in control of all things. I direct the sun to shine. I tell the rain to fall. The moon appears because I tell it to. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to me. The earth is mine and everything that is in it. I give them the ability to create wealth. So what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? So how could they live a life apart from me? So it made me think, you know what? He's right. We do this five-year plan. We talk about our journey, but what do they always say? I always used to hear people say, you want to make God laugh? Make plans. If we tailor our five-year plan and everything that we're doing in our journey apart from him, what are we really gaining? I mean, when you really think about it. So after he told me all that, I said I was never again going to say Why do I have to? And I thought you would have thought I would have learned that by now. But no, I guess there's still parts of me that's still, why do I have to? It's a work in progress, people. I'm I'm progressing just like everyone else is progressing. Of course, I've said I've 
dedicated to doing this journey. Yes, I said I was going to do everything he wanted me to do. No more was I going to run. But then again, there's still little parts of me that be like, why do I have to be the one to say? But I have to be the one to say. So since I'm the messenger and I did say I was going to walk through the door, he opened it, I'm walking through it, and this is what I do, then this is what I do. So with that, we need to get back to what our first love was. And I'm sure everyone, if you think back in your life, even if it wasn't present, even if it wasn't your parents, because sometimes it wasn't the parents that always took the children, even if it's just your grandparents, I know you remember that from when you were younger, your grandparents, especially African-Americans. If you think about it, God has been in the African-American community, it's been like a thread through our entire life. Even the slaves used to sing the spiritual hymnals in the field when they were picking cotton. They used to be singing praises to God. So if you don't think that praising him and giving him acknowledgement for who he is doesn't do something to better your life, you need to think again. And all those kids, I'm going back to them again because it's still high on my spirit. All those kids that's running a wild, running a wild, around wild in the street, it's because they don't understand who God is. And if they had an understanding of who he is, they would not be conducting themselves in the way that they do. They would have more of a, they would have more, um, I, won't even want, I don't even want to say pride because Pride is not the right word, but they would have, they would be more behaved to know that they don't have to carry themselves in that manner in order to still be teenagers, teenagers living their life. And I think that's where our number one problem is. But everyone can relate back to there was someone in their family that was always praying to God, talking about God on some level. And we've, I've, in one of my shows before, we talked about how millennials don't even, they don't even think about church. They don't go to church anymore. If you're not hearing to know, how are you going to know? But it's, it's just this simple. I say, I talk about God here. I tell you how he's done things in my life. I show, I give examples of things that I've done that have gotten me one way or another to what he's doing in my life and how he's perfected things in me. I tell you how I've ran. I've ran all the time. I told you how I was even walking away from what my purpose was. But it wasn't until I came to myself and decided, you know what? Enough of this. Life without him is not worth living. It's harder. It's let, let me tell you something. It's hard to live life with him. But living with him, it's easier. We're still going to have the same struggles that we have. We're still going to have the same issues and problems because we're human. We do live here in the world. So things that we have to encounter and take care of, that's still going to happen. But when you know you have someone who is on your side, who you can turn to, who you know can give you an answer or comfort or understanding, or clear up all the confusion for you, why wouldn't you want to be attached to that person? Even though he's a spirit. 
But why wouldn't you want to be attached to that concept of, yes, he's in my corner. He's there for me. Why wouldn't you want to? And that's where I think a lot of our problems and our issues and a lot of our shortcomings and everything come from because we have forgotten about him. So when he says that, yes, if we humble ourselves, meaning stop being so prideful, thinking it's all about you, thinking it's you in control of everything. I make my own destiny. I'm the captain of my ship. I decide what I do, blah, blah, blah. Enough of that. Because you really don't decide anything. You think you're deciding, but you really don't. Because he's orchestrating everything that goes on, everything that goes on, whether you want to accept it or not. He orchestrates. There's nothing that you can do when you say, when you wake up and say, you know what? It's raining. I don't want it to rain anymore. Let me get some sunshine because I wanted to wear this hot yellow dress that I just bought. You can't do that. You can't change the weather when you wake up. So if you can't change the weather, if you can't control what someone else is doing to just totally stop everything, if you have no control over that, then you need to tap into the one that does. Because at least then he can give you a clearer understanding. He might even let things go your way a little every once in a while. He might. You never know, depending on how much you humble yourself. So look at this. It's 854. My time has run down. I just want you guys to keep all that in mind. I want us to continue to be blessed, continue to be a blessing in other people's lives, continue to just do good, do right, be there for one another. I want everyone to have a blessed week. I want everybody to continue to put in their putting their gratitude, their uh, Statements in their gratitude jars. I hope we're still keeping up with that. You know, that doesn't stop our five-year journey. Yes, all this is happening, but it does not stop the journey that we're on and what we need to do. So I want us to continue with that and continue with everything that we've put forth that we're going to do in this five-year journey. And I will speak to all of you Next week, God willing, and everyone be safe, and everyone stay healthy. Turn the tide, dry your tears and wave goodbye
Tomorrow, so flush the field. 